Working with beginners is something we haven't talked about enough on this podcast, I think, because every client of yours who's a long-term client was once a beginner and all clients start as beginners. So the, and I think moreover, there are different things you need to do, different skills involved in teaching beginners than the, the, the things you do with long-term clients, because people psychologically are different uh, at the early stages of exercising. They're different. They're motivated by different things. Uh, they have different concerns, different you know, worries, different goals at the beginning of exercise often than they do when they've been doing it for a while. So uh, if we could uh, do, a, do an even better job of working with our beginners and keep them all as long-term clients and give them the lifelong benefits of exercise, the world would be a better place. And uh, I'm here to learn how to do that with Nike Maromtsev. Nike, welcome. Hi, Raf. Nice to be here. Yeah, great to be with you as well. So uh, just briefly, uh, we've chatted before, but just remind the listeners uh, who you are, where your studio is, and, and the sort of the 10,000-foot view of, of what you do. Mm. I'm um, – so I own a studio called Kepi Studio Pilates, and that's in, in, in the inner west in Sydney, Australia. I'm 37. I am a clinical Pilates instructor. I graduated from uh, Breathe Education and now I'm studying uh, clinical exercise physiology at uni. So I went back back for more. Um, yeah, we've got a studio with four rooms. We've got a clinical room, a mixed equipment room, a tower room and a reformer room. Um, so we have a lot of beginners and a lot of clients who've been with us since day one. Mm. And you've developed a process really and you've trained your team up on working with beginners effectively to welcome them and really sort of build them up, you know, and and, and uh, help them develop a long-term exercise habit, which is ultimately what everyone wants to do, who, who starts, you know, no one thinks, oh, I'll just exercise for four weeks and I'll give up and go back <laughs> to my old ways again. But, you know, we all want to be lifelong exercisers and yet- yeah, it's very difficult. It's it's hard to make ourselves do the things that we you know we want or think we should do for ourselves. So, firstly, tell me, you know, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is different about teaching beginners compared to teaching you know much more experienced or regular clients? It's much harder. Um, it, it is it just because with uh, with seasoned. Pilates client, they understand the, the difficulty of an exercise, where, where it's going to get challenging. And as much as that's difficult because you might need to then come up with new creative ways or more challenging ways, um, beginners, we're working on a machine that works with resistance and body weight simultaneously. Most people are not used to have some sliding platform underneath them. Uh, and also most people have never done strength training before. Um, so then they're coming to exercise and you have to, like, they need to understand proprioception. They need to understand, they need to have some sort of balance. And if they don't, that's going to be even more challenging. Um, and I guess in a group class as well, it's just the cues that we give as instructors to facilitate a movement so that it started in a very easy setup. Mm. Um, so tell me about what do you think is the, so I want to get into all of those things uh, 
you know, one by one. But I think I'd like to go back even further and, you know, like the, the fight before the fight or the battle before the battle, which is, you know, people, you know, really in my, in my observation, often it takes people a long time to screw up the courage to join a Pilates class. Like I'm thinking that, you know, you're sort of stereotypical Pilates client. If we could make like a quote average Pilates client, it'd be like, in my mind anyway, be like a, a mum, mid thirties to mid forties somewhere, um, you know, hasn't looked after herself properly for a while because she's been focusing on looking after everyone else and consequently has you know, noticed that her physical health is not what she wants it to be, her strength, her flexibility, her you know, sense of comfort in her own body, her body shape her physical confidence, like all of these things are kind of less than she would like them to be. And she wants to go back and do something about that, but she feels super self-conscious and anxious, you know, and fearful. It's like, okay, I'm going to be surrounded by all these, you know, 21-year-old people with flat stomachs and perfect active wear, and everyone's going to know the moves and be really good at them and do perfect splits. And I'm going to be the only one there with like mismatched, you know, $2 shop leggings and baby spew on my shirt and, you know, <laughs> Like, so, I mean, yeah, so how, how accurate did, is that picture that I just painted to you for you? It's very accurate, but the thing is there's usually, in a cafe class at least, there's usually more than one mum with baby spew on their T-shirt, so they're all <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, think, I, I think we've created that community of, of people, of, of like-minded people, I think. That was one thing I was really conscious of when we opened the studio. I didn't want mirrors everywhere. Because I know some people really like to look at, at themselves in the mirror. But I also know that if you're a bit self-conscious, you just want to have the option of not looking at yourself in the mirror. So we've come up with some arch mirrors in the first room that we've opened uh, that, you know, you have the option, depending on which reformer you're on, that you can see yourself or you don't have to. Um, so so you, I've got the option of a mirror or non-mirror reformer. Yeah. That's right. If you're feeling, if you're liking yourself today, you can look at yourself. If you're a bit unsure, you just go in the far corner. No, but um, it's it's it, it it's a it's a real thing. And you know, we had to. Um, that's very interesting because even we've created well created big word, um, but we've made some um definition of what a uniform for our staff had to be because we didn't want people to come and feel subconscious looking at the instructors. So everyone has to wear baby spew on their shirt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we bottle it. Um, no, we um, no, we just, just, just got some Lululemon T-shirts that we just got printed. And, and they look good, but, you know, they, they just avoid us wearing, um, you know, crop tops while we teach. Just, just because there's, it's totally fine to do that. And if you're doing that, great for you. Uh, but I think it's, it's just being conscious of, you know, how people feel in their body today. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, have you observed, I mean, you must've observed that from what you just told me, but it seems to me like there's this kind of, it's paradoxical that the the very thing that people want to achieve by coming to plays, they want to feel better about how they look and their physical you know, presence. And that's also the thing that stops them from coming to Pilates a lot of the time because they're worried that everyone else is going to be, you know, staring at me or thinking I'm odd or, you know, heaps fitter and more toned than me or, or whatever. So, you know, what do you, what do you do? You've got the mirrors, mirrors are optional. 
you've got the the Kefi team, you know, the, the trainers there outfitted in non crop tops. Um <laughs> so no belly button piercings visible on any Kefi team members. During, <laughs> during class. No, not during group class. Um yeah, so like what else do you do? Like, is there anything you do in that kind of onboarding process or in the way that you teach that that accommodates for those people? Um we've got so so as clients walk in to the door, as 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 they walk in, we always welcome them, show them the machine, try to make them feel at home. Um and then we would usually try to place them somewhere next to somebody who knows what they're doing and introduce them. Um, we try to avoid the clicks going on within the studio and we usually just try to put them next to somebody that we know has been coming for a while. And so we tell them like, you can just look left or right if you're unsure about what's going on. Um, what else do we do? Um, we we now give them a welcome letter um, to that basically just says, hey, you know, we don't have a receptionist. So we basically tell them hey welcome you're welcome here good job you're here this is your first session but if you want to have a chat a 15 minute chat about your goals any concerns that you have if you're not sure about which class is good for you as a beginner here's a list of what I recommend and this is how often I recommend to do it but here's my personal number mine um call me and we'll we'll discuss discuss your goals we have different classes that feel differently some of them which we allow party tricks in and some of them that are a bit more um, stable, stable classes that are probably a little bit more easy to start with, I would say. Um, and then we just make them work bloody hard so they don't have time to look left, right and centre. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> like, I love that. I think it takes one class, right? It takes one class to realise that nobody's looking at what you're doing because yeah. they, no, they just busy. try to figure out how to survive. <laughs> If there's time to look around at what everyone's wearing, you're you're not doing it right. Yeah, and they don't. They don't. It's it's really it's a very good and and that's not just my studio. I've I've observed that in a lot of Pilates studio. I think because you're trying to figure out where your hand needs to go and then your foot and then not to fall in the springs, you don't really look around. Right. You really don't. What, what about that? What about the? You know, because all of these fears, I think. Uh, you know, most of them are not reality. You know, like no one in reality, no one cares what brand of leggings you've got, or you know what size your tummy is, or you know they're too busy worried about their own performance and their own body and their own exercise, their own things. But but these thoughts can be very, I mean, basically they can be disabling. I think for people in the like people can be paralysed. For, for in my, you know, I've had people tell me like I've been screwing up myself to come to this Pilates class for six months, you know, um, and just didn't have the courage to 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 make the booking. Uh, and so I guess what would you say to that person, you know, if they're kind of if they were listening to this podcast, which they're probably not because this is for Pilates instructors, but <laughs> what would you say to that person? I'd say try at least one class. Give it a chance for just one class because as you experience your first ever class, you will see that the the atmosphere and the the energy in the class is is a lot of fun and people are really lovely and really nice. And if anything, you're probably gonna have like by the time you leave, 
you're probably going to feel a bit silly about having had, having these thoughts. Uh, but I get it. I get it. It happened to me before my very first Pilates class, right? It's hard to start something new as in general, in, in general, right? If I asked you to come with me bungee jumping tomorrow, you probably would be pretty scared. Mm. So, all right. So how do you, what can you share with other Pilates teachers or studio owners about how to, you know, how have you created, because I know you get a lot of beginners and you, you, uh, you manage to keep a lot of them long-term. So what have you created, you know, in what either intentionally or not, or do you think that has contributed to helping people overcome those barriers and then start it and then stick with it? Um, so the way we teach is that we we have an open class model. So um, you don't have like big class levels like beginner, no, intermediate, no. advanced. Yeah. We we have um we have some classes. So we've got a class called Strong, which is more resistance training. And just by default, you have to be a bit more stable in the movement to work on your strength. So I usually would say to beginners, try that because it's the position you're gonna be in are gonna be a bit less um, scary, I would say. Um, we have flow, uh, which is a bit more controllogy-like, lots of balance, proprioception. Uh, that's where you'd be doing snake and all these kind of things. So that's probably a class, and it's written on our website that that's a class that I'd recommend people to have done at least five classes before they try flow, unless they've got amazing balance and that's different. Um, but yeah, so we've we've got different classes that are harder or easier but in each of the classes we offer we offer progressions uh, and they're all upper level classes so when you say you offer progressions what do you mean um we offer progression in the sense that we would start always an exercise in the easiest version of that exercise um so if i if i'm going to choose like an exercise for example and i want to do snake in a class I probably would start with some knee hovers into maybe like pushing out into a pike and then into a plank and then and then it would all progress. Giving people the option to stay in their knee hovers if for whatever reason they can't go any further, um, which is less scary and intimidating yeah. than if you were. Well, this is this is like this is pretty much aligned with Nathan Ross Reese's way of teaching as well and what we teach yeah, in breathe the yeah. way of teaching framework. Yeah. Well, it all comes, it comes from Breathe. We did Nathan's um, workshop. Well, we did his workshop and then he came back to do a masterclass. And yeah, very much like that. We, we offer options to people. And I think it was great to have Nathan in one of our uh, masterclass because for the staff, it's good to see that he would pick the people in the room that could push a little harder and go change the dumbbell, challenge them in a very like, very well-mannered way. Like he doesn't push people. I think it's long gone, the commander Steve, you know, way of training. But, you know, he does it with a smile and it would just be like, hey, I see you. You're doing this. You could do this for breakfast. We're going to add a little heavier. We do that um, and we progress slowly. Meaning as a beginner, because you kind of assume what the level of a beginner is, right? Like I might have a beginner who's never been on a reformer, but they might be strong. They might have very strong legs and do a hundred, you know, lunges, but they might have 
a weaker upper body. You, you never know. So it's very hard to just go, oh, these are your beginner exercises and these are your advanced exercises. So we just progress. And if you feel comfortable to progress, you do that. Right. And I've talked about this with Nathan at length on the podcast oh. and also with Heath from Breathe. And it's really such a billion system. You just basically start with what everyone can do. Yeah. And you just get everyone doing it. And you start totally. it so, so simple, so easy, so small, so light that everyone can definitely oh. do it. And then you just go, okay, you, 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 and you, here's, you know, add a spring or lift your knees or straighten your legs or That's push right. your arms forward or whatever. And then just keep adding a layer, adding a layer until even the most, the, the most advanced people are starting to struggle a bit. And then you go, okay, great, we're done. And, you know, the, be the beauty of this is that, and we've had a workshop with the team on Friday and we had a huge conversation about this. You would have, let's say I'm teaching 6 a.m., 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. And 6 a.m., they're always absolute guns. And your starting exercise is probably going to be a progression already because you see them coming, you're like, okay, they had the espresso shot at 5.30 in the morning, they're ready to go. And then 7 a.m. might be just you know, a bit of a dip in energy and you will see that these clients, whether they're beginners or maybe they just don't want to be here, but they're doing it because they've been told so by the doctor. Um, but they, they, they might be, you might need to drag them a little bit more, right? So having that, um, those progression in exercises make you be a bit of a ninja in the room, right? You see how they move, you see how they just do footwork and you're like, you're either like, okay, this is going to be a class when we're going to take it slow okay, I'm going to give it to them this class. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, and that's, I think this is the skill of being a good Pilates instructor is being able to be that ninja that right. looks. So you use kind of like you start off with a, something really simple, basically like a diagnostic. So Heath often does a <laughs> cat stretch. You do it with footwork apparently. And so you basically, yeah, pretty much anyone, as, as long as I've got at least two legs can, can or at least one leg can do footwork. Yep. Uh, and you just basically watch people moving and see where they're at, like how how agile are they getting on and off the machine, you know, how confident are they pushing the carriage out, how many springs do they add, you know, et cetera. And based on that, you start to form some kind of sense of where they're at physically right now and, okay, you know, how, how much or little does this person need to be pushed, you know, yeah. today. Yeah, and how much how much you can add, you, like – it's it's um, uh, coordination's the same. Like you might be doing like a strap pull and a, and then you add a squat and then maybe you add a, a press with the uh, the opposite arm and you'll see some people they just have very hard time with coordination and you might be like okay we're just gonna break it down we're gonna stay breaking it down and then some classes they're like nah we're doing the move it's all good yeah um, that's me like give me something the same thing to do with both arms and both legs <laughs> I'm much happier. <laughs> I'm really bad at coordination too. So I tried capoeira. That did not go well. <laughs> so what if what would you say now on right, so we talked about clients, we talked about like teaching strategies a bit. What would you say to studio owners? Because yeah. this is something or studio managers, this is something I struggled with as a young studio owner, you know, way back in the day, that I uh, I had instructors working in my studio. Help. You know, not certainly not all of them, but some some instructors who kind of like took delight in like, you know, being the commando Steve. You know, like oh. smash everybody. You know, um, and you know, I pr I'm that's not the way I'd 
would like things taught in my studio. I know that's not the way you you like it done. So how have you got your team on board and, and got everybody kind of singing from the same song sheet with this? Uh, we do we do a fair bit of team catch-up, but I think in general we're all on the same wavelength. I hire a lot of my staff um, from Breathe Education and recently I've been getting some of my clients to come and get trained by you. Um, but I think it's the industry's changed. People don't want to be screamed at and especially if you have a Pilates studio with your typical client being a mum that's between 30 and 40 and has baby, like they're being screamed at all day. As a mum, you literally have a little dictator in your house. The last thing you want is to come to a class and somebody say, five more, do five more. Like we don't want that. Um, we work a little bit in um, collaboration, I think, with our clients, uh, whether it's in a a private class setting or if it's in a group class and the language we use we just don't say okay now that you've done this do that we say hey if you feel like you could add on take this option or if you feel like you could add a balance challenge maybe change your spring to a yellow spring so mm -hmm. we we give people the option and it happens so many times that you know how people sometimes they feel like this is their class and they can freestyle. The amount of time that this happens and I just go, oh, okay, so Karen is um, adding on one arm off. Maybe we can all try that. Like, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not the keeper of movement. We can, we can play around. I love it when clients come up with cool variations that I haven't even thought of. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Let's everyone I know. That. And they always anticipate, the client that have been coming to your classes for a while, they always think that when you start a, a starting movement, they always think they know where it's coming. And so they would just take the progression right away and you're like, uh-uh, this is not what we're doing. <laughs> uh, but no, so we, we try to do that. We do a lot of work on the language that we use. I think that's very important. Um, and it's important for our brand as a studio. It's, it's important that we have some consistency in what we say to the point where we also have our guidelines for pregnancy or injuries or things like that. And it doesn't really matter what they've been trained on. These are our guidelines and this is what the guidelines that will, you know, run in the studio. Um, we, I think for business owners to just keep that, um, something that's big for us is that whether it's a beginner coming for their first session or an advanced client that has been coming for two years in our studio, we want them to leave the studio feeling equally challenged. Um, and so we, we do a lot, we workshop a lot with springs, uh, which can be hard sometimes. I've, I've, I've had to get some clients involved in the process and just ask them, um, you know, to tell me if it feels hard enough when they push the carriage out for a certain exercise or if they feel the challenge because um, clients with different conditions or clients that are younger or older, different body weight, different height, would feel a spring differently. Um, and I think that comes with mastering your trade and being good at, you know, knowing the machine that you're working on and being good at teaching Pilates. Um, but I know, I know, and I have a feeling that you kind of touch on that in your mobility Pilates elephant a couple of weeks ago. 
but clients with hypermobility might feel an exercise completely differently and you might have to add on some springs or remove some springs. Um, and so a client that might feel challenged doing standing um, side splits on a red spring, your other client that's taller and has hypermobility might need to be on two red springs to do the exact same exercise. So we had to, we had to become very, very good. And that was actually a good advice from Heath um, because we went to him with that question, asking him, how do we keep the focus away from their body, but find a way to ask them if they're feeling challenged enough. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we ended up agreeing on saying to people now, you should feel like it's hard to push the, the carriage away. If it feels too easy, then add on a spring. Or you should feel like it's hard to recruit the carriage back or bring it back to the stopper. And if that's not hard enough, then lower your amount of spring. So instead of focusing on the muscle group that we're working on or, you know, people's body shape or just people people's capabilities, right? Sometimes they just can't do it because they're just new. We've just been making them understand which spring works for them. Because in a group setting, sometimes that's hard, right? Mm, that's great. I love that. So when you say workshopping the springs, that's what you mean is basically understanding uh, how the how you need to adjust the spring settings for someone's height, weight, body mass, level of skill, range of motion, etc. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been doing that more in the way of um, because it's it's hard to obviously to find the exact spring for the exact person. So we've just been making it on okay, this is I'm five foot. This feels like this for me. You, you're taller than me. I would assume. Never seen you. Never seen you standing up. I'm pretty sure you are. Hard on the internet. Um, and and so how like you know how would that feel when you press up? I put one of my instructor. He's um he's fifty. Um, and he's got like a very similar build as you. So in just seeing what that feels like for him, then that's a good indication for us. Okay, you go heavier for this. It makes it more challenging the taller you are, or you know. Meaning yeah. if I have a very small 14-year-old in class that's joining with her mom, she's very likely to need to go smaller than, lighter than me in springs. Right. And, and you know, conversely, if you have somebody come in to class and they're a beginner and they're heavier, well, they're going to, in, in doing a, like a plank or something like that, they're going to find the same spring harder than somebody who's lighter. So they will need more spring to feel the same level of challenge, like you said. And that's the, the you want everyone to feel the same level of challenge, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So understanding that I think is key when working with beginners because, you know, obviously if it's someone's first or second or third time, they don't know that for themselves or that, they don't have that skill yet of adjusting the springs. Like they don't know what it's meant to feel like half the time. And they just look at everyone else and, oh, she's got one red spring on. But it's like, yeah, but she's like a foot shorter than you and 30 kilos lighter. So, Yeah, and you don't want to say that. Like you don't want to – yeah, and that's that's the thing is that I think, um, you know, we always have a standard, you know, a standard set of spring. Um, but it just says a lot about you as an instructor if you can just quickly – gauge people's abilities and go, hey, I'm just going to add on a spring for you because we're going to do this movement. And it's probably, you like, you know, it's the first time doing it. So let's just get the movement right first. Like I've seen clients falling very slowly into the spring because <laughs> <laughs> they really wanted to try all the progression. Yeah. 
and sometimes it's scary. You feel like they're going to slingshot themselves onto the street. I think it's good. I'm I'm in favour of people experimenting. It's like if people want. Oh to no, I think it's awesome. I think I think I think it's great. But if you if you can manage day spring, and if you can manage, you know, things like um, uh, forward arms offering. You know, if you're going to come up onto your high knees and you're very new on a blue spring, even though it's easier for your arms, you're probably going to lose balance if you don't understand what's going to happen here, right? Yeah. So I usually would just either tell them to stay down for now or come up, but I'm going to add on a little bit more load. It's going to be harder, but at least you're going to understand what needs to happen in your body so that mm. you do that. You mentioned earlier on about, uh, you know, putting beginners next to someone who's more experienced saying, hey, you know, this is so-and-so, you know, she's more oh. experienced here. Watch her. She knows what she's doing. Uh, and so to try and avoid, you know, break up cliques, basically, you said. Now, I know, I know that's impossible. You can't always, you can't be clique-free. But, yeah, so what what else, if anything, do you do to, because I think that's an, that's an important aspect, right, is because. Like way back in the day when I was researching, I, before we opened Breathe Wellbeing, this was in like 2006, we did this research. So this is different now, but but we did research and we went to a whole bunch of yoga studios and we went to a whole bunch of Pilates studios and, you know, we just do like a mystery shop, you know, and we're like, okay, what's the customer experience here? And what we found a lot of times was just a complete, basically being ignored by everybody there. So we would rock up and we were like, you know, no one would even acknowledge us or say hi or, you know, the, the, the instructor would be talking with some of the experienced clients. Like, it's like, oh, and how's the kids and the wife and the dog and the, all of this kind of stuff. And then she said, oh, and then I said, oh. and it's like, you're waiting there, waiting, waiting, waiting. So I wanted to like buy my class pass or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, I've been waiting here for five minutes. I'm invisible, you know? And what I found, like when I was going at one point in my life, when I was going doing yoga very regularly. I think I must have been like five days a week for two months before the instructor like used my name for the first time, you know. And I was like, "Oh my goodness, I'm I'm in, you know. I'm 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 one of the I'm one of the in crowd now, you know. The instructor knows my name, um, and so that you know that's long. Those days days are long gone, but I think there is still some degree of that because I think it's inherent in human nature that we do like to talk with people we know. And, you know, and instructor, I know it's easy to get, it's like, it's good to socialize with the students after class and before class and say, oh, how's the, how's your job and what happened with the kids on the weekend and how did soccer go and all of that stuff. But then when somebody new comes in, it's really easy to ignore them because it's polite to keep focusing on the person you're talking with. So, so how do you, how do you mitigate that? You know, what do you do to combat that? I usually get people involved in conversation. So we've got um, uh, we've got two studios that don't really have reception. You just walk into the room. So the instructor is kind of forced to wiggle around. Uh, in one of our rooms, there's a reception, but instructors don't tend to be behind the reception desk. They're usually in the room um, chatting, chatting with people. Um, and they'd introduce themselves and then they'd just make a conversation. I usually would in- include people. Like if we're talking about school holidays, I'll, I'll include, you know, the clients or, you know, ask them if they've got kids too or, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just try to make com- – I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. It's very hard for me to make small talk, um, at, at least pointless small talk, but I really, really try. And I, I say people's name a lot so that I remember it. I say that, like, not, not – I try to, to not 
go towards the creepy way, but I say people's name a lot so that it sticks in my mind because uh, I'm not very good at it. Well, I think because the more clients you get, the harder it is as well to remember in people's name. Uh, but I, I just tend, yeah, and we we use MindBody for booking. So when people walk in, we, um, you know, ask them if they've got any injuries, pregnancies, anything that we need to know so that we can write notes for the next staff member. And then we take a photo of them um, just so that the next staff member actually kind of know, knows who they are. We try to make conversation. And even in class, like I don't tend to just teach. I, I you know, talk and I ask people if they're okay and things like that and will we make some jokes and, you know, I try to get people involved. But yeah. it's, it's, it's I, 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 we have, like, besides people who just come with their friends and they just like to chit-chat together, the two of them, we don't really have the big clicks. And if that's the case, we usually just break them up into, like, hey, let's start a conversation that also involves the other people. I like that feature of MindBody. Actually, they had that even back in the day when I was using it in 2016. You could just on your mobile phone, like tap on someone's profile, take a photo and the photo attached to their profile. And that was great because it really helps remember the name when you can put the face to the name. It's, it's so great. Yeah. And I, I'm good at remembering people's face, but not the name. So then if they email me and I'm at home and, you know, their name might be similar to somebody else's name, I then open their profile. I'm like, oh, yes, this person. Okay, I know that person. Yeah, 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 and I'm with you. Like I'm a massive introvert as well, and I, I like, I really struggle with small talk. Like even with people I, I'm close friends with. You know, mm. I prefer to sit in silence. Oh, <laughs> same, same. I'm, I, I, I'm, but also, but also, I talk a lot. It's really weird. It's very, <laughs> it's really weird. Like my husband would tell you, I talk a lot, but then I'm also would happily just sit for an hour and just don't talk. Mm. Yeah, I think. You know, in my experience, like even it, like even you don't have to actually have to talk to people. I think it's it's acknowledging people and showing that you're pleased to see them and that you're interested in them. You know, those are the key things. I think um, I I use there's there's a lot of the training and the I guess consistency, you know, brand consistency, uh, client experience that we we train our staff on. And a big one it comes from um, your book, actually, and we use the um, the whole person framework. Um, and obviously, it's it's different when it's in a private session versus versus if it's in a group session. But one thing that we try to do as we speak to them is understand very very quickly where they're at. You know, they might quickly speak to you and tell them that they've tried Pilates before, but they had a bad experience. And so you try to make it to go the extra mile to make them feel included in, you know, whatever we're doing, or it might be somebody who comes and say, Hey, you know, I've just had a baby. I'm not quite sure I'm good with this. You try to give them that extra little win that when they come out, they realize that they've still got it, you know? Um, so we, um, like, I think it's very important to just listen to that new client, try to have a mini chat with them. It's probably not going to be a long chat, but while you show them the machine, ask them if you've done reformer before, you know, if so, where? Or if you've done Pilates before, like, did you enjoy it? Where was it? You know, simple questions so that they then, like, they, they're going to trust you. You're going to ask them to move on the machine. So you've got to build that trust. And if you build that trust once, they'll come back. They're going to want to come back to your class. Mm -hmm. um, and I tend to, you know, if a client says to me, oh, 
Um, I've done Bialis before, but I can't do it anymore because my shoulder really hurts. But I'm trying new studio. I probably would quickly scrape maybe a small flow that's very heavy, shoulder heavy in my class. And it's like, I know, I know, like, I'm, that's again the Pilates Ninja. But I, I, I usually try so that when they leave that first session, they feel like they've been hurt. Well, they don't know that I scraped it, but, you know, they feel like they've, they haven't been put in a position that they didn't want to be put in, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, I, I wanted uh, just, you know, unpack a little bit what you said there about one on ones versus in a group class. So, you know, is this different? And if so, how, you know, if I come, if I'm a beginner, if I come for a one on one or a clinical session versus if I want to come to a group reformer or group mat work class? Um, some, some people don't want to, especially men, they don't want to start a group class without having done a private before. They just don't want to be, um, in a position where they could be vulnerable, uh, in from another, another 10 or 12 people. So they usually would book a one-on-one, but they don't have any injuries. It's just for them to understand how the machine works. They just want to feel a bit more confident, right? And that's pretty straightforward. We would just take them through footwork, lunges, hand and strap, show them how the spring works. Maybe if there's a spring that works better for them versus another, like I, I would just tell them, I'd be like, hey, we went on this spring. Maybe try to remember that for your next class or whatever. Um but we usually, I, I, in in a group class, you don't really have that much time to speak to people. You've got fifteen minutes before classes. Um, new clients sometimes they're good and they arrive ten minutes early, but most of the time they arrive on the dot right before the class. And so you know, we smile a lot and we're being extra kind, but it's sometimes really hard to make that connection within thirty seconds. Whereas in a one on one, whether it's clinical or whether it's just personal training, um, we just get them to talk. You know, why are you here? What have you done? What 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 makes you want to start Pilates? You know, all these questions, and then you just let them. You just listen a lot, and then there's things that they don't want to do. Like there's, there's there are things that they've done before they don't want to do. There's things that they um physio or chiropractor told them that they shouldn't do and so they don't want to do them and so you listen and you adapt um they might have had bad previous experience um I've had clients who got injured doing a deadlift and anything that even resembles a deadlift they just won't do it um I've had clients who just said no I don't want to do anything strength related I don't want weight I'm just here for the Pilates if it's weight I can do it for myself um so when it's in a private setting you just make this workout whatever they want in the end of the day they're the one paying for it um you just you just make them strong and that's your but how you do it whether you just use the Pilates machine whether you use kettlebell on top of that that's that's up to you based on what they want and what they're talking to you about during that first session. Mm-hmm. But that first session is usually very basic movement, which is a good session to start to get a feel of where they're at. I usually try to give them a couple of wins. Like if it's somebody who said they can't do a plank, like I'd put them in. You get them moving in that first session. They're doing a fair bit of movement, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We maybe talk for like five, ten minutes. When I got the the big story, then we start moving. But then I get them to talk 
Mm-hmm. I get them to look when they're doing the squats. I ask them how things feel. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love that. And uh, it is very much in line with the whole person framework that and building a therapeutic alliance using all skills that, you know, when I was a kid in Pilates years, I used to do introductory sessions one-on-one and it was, I was the one doing the talking. I was like, oh, here's the five principles and here's how you should breathe and here's how you should have your spine and here's how you should do this and here's how you should do that. And it's like, at, at the end of the session, the client had hardly moved and it was, I'd talked like 98% of the time. And I love what you've described, which is they do most of the talking and they're moving most of the time. I love it. Yeah. I think the only time that I talk, well, I mean, besides, you know, cueing them and putting them into is when I'm trying to find, you know, you meet somebody for the first time. I don't know if that's the introvert in me or if everyone does it, but you try to find conversational topics. So I, you know, in the things that they say, I try to grasp on some things that I could probably put a conversation together. And it's much easier if they similar age as me and have kids or if we live in a similar area or something like that. Um, but I definitely, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll get them to talk. And most of the time they will come to you with, um, uh, what's it called? Biomechanical model. Like they, they yeah. think that they are injured because like their injury is because of a movement that they've done. And so they're coming to Pilates because strength training doesn't work anymore for them and they don't know how to pull. Their shoulders come up every time they pull and their physio told them that they needed to pull properly. And then it, when you build that therapeutic alliance with them, then they become to trust you. Mm. I don't think I'll ever said anything about a diagnosis that people had on notes that I got from a physio. I try to not get involved in that. Uh, but funny enough, people end up doing the movements they end up getting better at doing the movements and they end up finding confidence because you sometimes these um, diagnoses make people being scared of doing movement. Yeah. Um, well, which is I, a bit sad. It is. I think that I think that's something you do wonderfully well, Nike, and you and Fanny and, and Clancy and the whole team, is you you empower people to feel like in control of their own movement and you don't you don't push people to go where they're not comfortable yet, but you invite and you 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 give opportunities for people to explore and experiment. Uh, and yeah, I think you I think you do a brilliant job of that. Um, yeah, but you never you never I've never observed you sort of wrestling with a client you know verbally to you know try and get them to do something you think they quote should do you know, when, but they don't want to do it, you know, and I love what you said about, well, if they don't want to use weights, we don't use the weights, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. I love it. Fair. Uh, they, they, I mean, like the springs, springs is weight, right, in a way. So if they don't want to use weight, and also sometimes, you know, they might, they might just be bored, right? Like they might have been going to the gym for years and be just completely bored of that. They want something new. But thank you. That was nice of you to say. Is there anything else you'd like to, like to add or share here? I th- no, I think it, um, no, no, I don't think so. I think that we pretty much covered everything. I think when it comes to beginner um, Pilates instructors, especially studio owners, that's something I've realised, I'm re- realising this year, is a lot of um, the industry's changing a little bit, I have a feeling, and I think people are starting to realising the, the need to build strength 
um, and especially older adults, they they and and they don't know where to go <laughs> because yeah. you know if you're starting ex- your exercise at sixty, it's pretty daunting to go to the gym. You don't want to go into a studio where everybody's dirty and they cropped up or something like that. And so um, I think we need to get a bit better at the um, inclusivity within a class and, and and allowing in our layers to also consider that there will be some people who are older adults and might not be able to get into some movement uh, as far as their joint capacity. You know, um, I've re- I'm realising that a lot of over 55-year-old are joining the studio and that's just because it's hard for them to find another place to be. Mm. Um, so I think definitely consider that when it comes to the movements that we do and not thinking about our body and how we are conditioned to move a certain way as Pilates instructor, but consider that there will be people much older than us or much younger than us joining the classes. Mm. What You haven't actually said this, but it's kind of implicit in everything that you've said. And I think I'd like to just you know round out our conversation with this idea that I think a lot of places make the mistake of of assuming of relegating the beginner classes to the newbie instructors and the more experienced instructors work with more experienced clients. And I think it's at the front. I think actually it's harder harder, like you said at the start, to work with beginners. You need more skills because they have less skills. You know, they're less autonomous. They need more help. And I think that your most experienced instructors should work with your least experienced clients because they need the most guidance and the most most support. Uh, and pretty much that's what you've described. So yeah, well put. No, no, yeah, that's 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 definitely that's definitely correct. I agree. Mm. Thanks very much, Nike. Good talk. Thanks, Raf. It was nice chatting. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means You keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. 
Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.